With an aging population, diseases we survive rather than die from, and nursing home care averaging nearly $8,000 a month, is it time for a resurgence of long-term care insurance? And what do advisors need to know to capitalize on it all? We'll find out on this two-part episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health a captive insurance arrangement designed specifically for educational institutions. If you have clients in that vertical, you know the healthcare deck has been stacked against them. Today, Captivated Health offers the stability, control, and savings they've been waiting for. For more information, go to www.captivatedhealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're privileged to be speaking with Bill Dias. Bill is president of Dias Insurance Services. By way of full disclaimer, he's one of my oldest and dearest friends. He's also one of the states, the United States' biggest experts on all things long-term care. And we hadn't talked about long-term care for a while on the podcast. And some things have changed, and there's some new opportunities. So we thought it'd be great to bring in an expert, and Bill's my guy when it comes to long-term care. So with that, welcome, Bill. Thank you for having me, David. So let's let's level set for everyone. What's the need? I know we you know people talk about it a little bit, but as the population is aging and diseases are keeping us that used to kill us are keeping us alive longer, what's the need look like? The need looks like first of all, let's talk about getting sick, getting hurt and needing assistance. And that can happen at any age. From the time you're born, you can slip and fall and need care. It's all about needing care and needing someone to assist you with your activities of daily living. So we predominantly have thought of long-term care as an older person's issue, but as the realization that it is about needing assistance, it has really come down. For example, when I first started in this industry back in 1983, the person that was thought to just need the, the coverage was someone in their 70s or 80s or 90s. Now they're looking at it and saying, wait a minute, this happens to 20-year-olds, to 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, and so forth. So the need for long-term care is really affecting every person in our population. It's just a question of how long will they need that care, when it will happen to them, and that's the challenge that we face. So we we often think about young ages as being disability income prospects rather than being long-term care prospects. And I know the, the products are somewhat related. They're kind of distant cousins. If you're talking about younger people in a need, how do those two things mesh? How do you position that if you're an advisor? Needing disability is obviously your inability to perform the duties of your, of your job. Long-term care is different in that it's where you need assistance with your activities of daily living, such as bathing, dressing, transferring, toileting, feeding, or your incontinent. Or you need care as a result of a severe cognitive impairment. So... Disability, obviously, if you can't do your job, they're going to pay pay benefits if you if you do have coverage there. For long-term care, 
They're going to provide somebody to help you do your activities of daily living or help assist you as a result of a, of a severe cognitive impairment. So understanding the differences is the first part. This, the second part is how does it impact younger generation? And, and that is because that if they're out riding a motorcycle and they get in a motorcycle accident and let's say they, they shatter parts of their body, so they're going to need assistance and that may last however long. It could be a short period of time, could be a long period of time. But if their duties of their job are speaking with their voice and they can still do that, well, disability will look at that and say, well, you can still do your job. On the other hand, your body needs assistance. And so long-term care comes in to help pay for that care, particularly when you get beyond the need for care of uh, 90 days or longer. So it's an important distinction, and it's really not a one or the other. You're saying that for most advisors who are advising clients, it would be a a complementary product set? Yes, sir. That's correct. Interesting. Interesting. So in terms of the population, I mean, the baby boomers are are starting to age out. Are we seeing even a larger need for long-term care coverage than we ever have in the past? I think what happens now is that the educational component, which has for the longest time not really sunk into a lot of folks, partially because we're in denial. We don't see it happening to us. But more and more as as the baby boom generation and the X generation and even millennials start to recognize, you know, the need for care and realize that there is no medical medical coverage program such as your major medical care or or a government program specifically other than Medicaid, that's really designed to address that long-term need for for care as a result of a chronic condition. And so as a result, we're becoming more and more exposed to that. In the process, we're also becoming exposed to the fact that this thing costs a lot of money. And as long as you need care, it's going to cost somebody. And I think that long-term care is something that from an educational standpoint is starting to penetrate the, the, the populace and really the awareness factor is really starting to, to really kick in after about 30 years of really uh, trying to get that message across. We'll, we'll delve into the costs in a little bit, but I, I want to go back. Uh, there was a time not too many years ago when long-term care was a real go-go market and there was tons of product coming into the marketplace. And then all of a sudden, there seemed to be this ginormous contraction, and it, it kind of got to be a colder product for a lot of advisors and a lot of carriers. What was going on, and what happened? Can you give us the background of that? Yeah, back in the when I started back in the eighties and and fast forward into the nineties, in particular, we, we had a lot of companies, as you said, come into the marketplace, and primarily a lot of the focus back in the eighties was on home health care only. And so there were a lot of those type of carriers in the marketplace that just offered home health care. And there were a number of carriers that also offered true long-term care that covers you at home, covers you in an assisted living facility, covers you in a nursing home, covers adult daycare. Those products weren't selling as fast as the home health care marketplace, and those predominantly were sold to the older populace. And so as the realization of that block of business 
I guess coming aging itself after 10 or 15 years, the realization was that uh, costs associated with long-term care payout at home was uh, was not done properly. So I can get into the, a lot of those reasons if you, if you want me to uh, touch on that, David. So relative to the reasons for carriers dropping out or coming into the marketplace and then ultimately exiting the marketplace, what the realization was is that the cost of care for home was astronomical. They There were the wrong buyers. In other words, we had a lot of older individuals purchasing long-term care. We had a lot of the agents focusing on home health care only. And ultimately, the actuaries guessed wrong. And they guessed wrong because they thought the marketplace would only hold on to maybe a, a year or two years of claims. And that did not turn out to be the case. Pricing that they used was totally off. It was horribly wrong. And they insured a lot of the people that they should not have been insuring who had a lot of health problems, but they didn't know that much about the underwriting of long-term care because they had used the life insurance model from an actuarial and, and pricing standpoint. And that total that turned out to be totally wrong. And then you add to the mix the interest rate spread that was three to five to 10 basis points difference back then. And so any claims they felt they could offset that with the investment income from the money coming in. And obviously they guessed wrong there as well. Many advisors don't realize it, but the reserve requirements for long-term care are pretty significant, aren't they? They very much are. Absolutely. I know when we used to sell lifetime policies, the carrier was immediately required to take $250,000 out of investable assets and put it into a reserve for which that reserve cannot be invested, cannot be used, and can only come back to the company when the client goes on claim or ultimately lapses the policy or dies. And that's good news from the reserve standpoint, bad news when that money comes out of being invested because ultimately impacts the company's bottom line profitability, which ultimately can impact their ability to pay claims down the road. Well, sure. Not only are they making a small, not, they're not making a small amount of interest. They're making no interest because the money's just sitting waiting to pay claims. So it was, it was mostly a pricing play and, 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 you would characterize that as maybe the the actuaries didn't really understand the risk as well as they do today. Yes, correct. They did. They didn't understand the risk. They they thought that. Well, here's a number of factors that they thought. They thought that people would only hold on to their policies maybe five or seven years, and then they'd lapse it. Number two, they thought they'd have the folks who ended up purchasing the plan more of them dying, which they didn't. Um, they had a wider pricing spread on the interest rates in the marketplace. So that helped them in, in designing their, their rate structure, all of which totally was wrong. And now it has come back to haunt a lot of them. And unfortunately, the older buyers who were the buyers back in the eighties and nineties, you know, are paying a, a steep price in terms of, of rate increases that they're incurring as a result. And now, a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single-source solution for your clients and prospects who are in the education vertical. The founders of Captivated Health have nearly 20 years' experience working with educational institutions, and over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems these clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, 
the unpredictability of ever-increasing health care costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems, and it does so with virtually no disruption to faculty and staff while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to the educational clients you advise. To learn more about the Captivated Health solution, go to their website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on their logo on the Shift Shapers website. And now, back to our interview. But the market's starting to come back, and we're starting to see some some new carriers come into the market, and even though some household names have left and swear that they're not ever coming back. So what's changing today? Why are we starting to see a resurgence in the number of carriers that are coming into the marketplace? Well, I think the reason for that is is twofold. First of all, current pricing on our product designs are probably higher than they've ever been partially due to the fact that interest rates have the return on the interest rates have been so low for so long. I think they've gotten a better handle on underwriting the, the right risk that's acceptable for their pricing. So that has played a part. They've, the industry has actually now gone to gender-based pricing. So females are approximately 30% higher than males going forward because women live longer and they utilize more benefits. Conversely, with life insurance, males pay more premium and, and women less because we die sooner. But I think as, you, as you've as you looked at this marketplace, all of those have, have factored into to what we're facing today. Are carriers starting to th- contemplate a, a higher interest rate environment as well, or is it too soon for that? I'm hearing a lot of scuttlebutt out in the marketplace that a lot of the the major players are now considering in their future planning looking at long-term care again, the traditional marketplace, primarily because prices will never be less than they are today based on what we see in the past history. So I think we've we've bottomed out on on uh, you know pricing. I think we're we're at that one two percent return from interest rates. So the pricing of the product is is where it needs to be. I think the carriers that are going to come into this marketplace don't have the ball and chain around their neck to deal with as a result of past business and past pricing. Claims experience is, is not a factor for them at this moment. The fact that, that interest rates are starting to rise, and I think over the next one to four years, I think you're going to see more and more carriers dip their toe and, and come back into the marketplace because are not going to have cheap rates. They have a better handle on underwriting the risk, who's the right risk for, for their product. Structurally, from a compensation standpoint, they're going to be paying less and less as, as we see some of the new carriers uh, targeting the market as it relates to uh, you know where they want to pay their commissions more more higher more towards the younger age individual less towards the older age individual but that's just the beginning of what we're starting to see some may come out and and do something different but that's what we're seeing at this moment and i think that that the realization that you have 79 million baby boomers 10,000 a day turning 65 
that's a marketplace that a lot of carriers look at and say, if everything is right, if the price is right, if the underwriting is right, if we can keep our costs under control, which we think we can now, and now interest rates rising so we have a, a bigger profitability spread, I think it, it may be time for us to, to get back into that marketplace or, or come into the marketplace for, for a, a new carrier. So let's talk a little bit about the exposures and because the costs drive the premiums, obviously. And every time you look at a survey, every year there are surveys that come out that talk about what the average median costs are for care. They usually break them down into four categories, right? Home health care, adult day care, assisted living, and then nursing home care, which is kind of the, the big one. Can you enlighten us a little bit about what those costs are starting to look like and and what the overall exposure is to a client who decides they're not going to purchase this kind of coverage? Sure. You know, depending upon where you live, obviously the costs are going to going to vary dramatically. I happen to be in Florida, so we have a little bit higher than normal costs, but you know, the the most expensive state in the uh, in the union to uh, have long-term care need is Alaska. I can touch on some of those rates just to give you kind of a, a range here. But in Florida right now, I'll give you some monthly costs. Our uh, home health aid right now is running around 4000 a month. A, an adult daycare facility is on a monthly basis is running about 1500 a month. An assisted living facility somewhere in the range of, of 3000 to 4000 a month. And a semi-private nursing home cost is about seventy five hundred a month. So, and that's up. That's where we're we're starting to see the gain there, particularly in in the uh, the nursing home. And then it's more expensive if you want a private room. That's that's a semi private room rate. Conversely, if you go to the state of Alaska, you're going to see home health care costs on a monthly basis run somewhere in the neighborhood of fifty five hundred to six thousand a month. Costs for a semi private room facility in, in Alaska runs about 25000 a month. So it's a big range in terms of, of where you receive that care with state. And I think in, in some ways, uh, you start to realize that maybe when it's time to receive care, we, you've got to move to a state that is a little more affordable, especially when uh, maybe you have a policy that has a limited amount of, of benefits in it uh, that's payable. Well, so, and just to level set for everybody, the, the costs that you quoted for Florida are a little bit higher than the national average, but they're not that much higher than the national average. So it's a benchmark to kind of use if you're thinking about advising clients. This is a, a huge exposure, and I don't know how many clients have assets that would cover this. What's what's the today? What is the average period of care right now? It's it's somewhere between three and five years is the need for care. We know statistically, once you're 65, you have a 70 percent chance of needing some long-term care before you die. So it's three out of four people will need some long-term care before they die. The question that we don't know for each person is how long is your claim going to last? My own personal experience, my mom was on claim a little over 12 years. My father died instantly, so I guess you average that out. It's it's a six-year exposure. Cost for my mom's care was about four hundred fifty thousand dollars, of which insurance paid uh, approximately three hundred thirty-five thousand. Balance was was borne by myself, but there are some strategies that are out there that help you deal with the cost of the individual paying out of your pocket. Um, that I used, I, I frankly used a, a life insurance model to help reimburse my cost that I was going to lay out. So there's a strategy there that that certainly I can discuss some point in the future if you'd like but it really there are a lot of different strategies that make sense i, I think when it comes to long-term care 
product design. It's really about a math issue in a lot of ways, determining the, the value proposition for the consumer. If you look at my mom's case, with her cost, it was approximately uh, 335000 that was paid out. The premium my mom ended up paying was like $8,700 total. So you know, those are like Las Vegas odds. But yet, in my dad's case, he died instantly. So, you know, nothing got paid out. So, looking at long-term care, I think when when you do the math, if you if you believe this is something that is really going to happen to you or a loved one, then I think it it bears you know gaining some knowledge as to uh, how you want to mitigate this risk. There is no wrong answer, but I think that when you look at long-term care insurance, that from a value proposition. Most people, and this is a kind of a very broad statement, so can't hold me exactly to it, but it's, it's somewhere between 12 and 15 months or less, someone has to be on claim to have the benefits that are paid back to them cover the cost that they're going to lay out in premium. So uh, I think when you look at that, and if you think, well, the average is three to five years on claim, that 15 months or less window may make a lot of sense for a lot of people. So let's talk a little bit about the plan design because you mentioned plan designs and strategies. The the traditional plan designs that we maybe knew from a few years ago were what? What did those look like? A lot of those look like, you know, lifetime benefits, 5% compound inflation, zero day elimination periods or no deductibles for those that don't know our marketplace. So you go, you get covered from dollar one. You know, they had a lot of little bells and whistles that they'd throw in. They'd include restoration of benefit that would restore the benefit. You know, if you used the used your benefit and, and you got better, we're back to being independent, but yet did not exhaust the benefits of the policy. It would restore the full policy benefits if you were able to stay independent for uh, at least 180 days after needing care. So that was like built in. Now, it's not even offered in some carriers' uh, design. Some other ones say, if you want it, we're going to charge you a fee for that. So so that was something in there that, again, has changed. But conversely, by today's standards, traditional long-term care has gone away from all of those dynamics. But some of the, the newer designs are starting to go back to that. So we're, we're at a crossroads right now as to... Uh, where we're going to go with with product designs. I think today, well, I know today that our maximum benefit periods that we're seeing are are five or six years, but they're pools of money. So you still can go out into the marketplace and purchase anywhere from from $1,500 a month of benefits up to $15,000 a month of benefits to start. And then you can add an inflation rider to the plan if you'd like, not necessarily one size fits all. It's more about uh, looking at the the risk and saying what works for each individual person. And that's why I've always believed that long-term care is a planning product and it's used to to mitigate risk. And I think in my relationships with a lot of financial planners, I try to help them, you know, structure things that make sense. So more often than not today, we see three-year benefit periods. Planner will help a client go in and and mitigate that risk for the first three years and then say after that we'll use investable assets uh, if we need them and go from there. So that's a way of of keeping the cost of of premium down. So again, a lot of different strategies that help you deal with the the risk and and the cost.
change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see.